This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. Everyone's favorite Hollywood housewife, Laura, is here, and this week we're going back to our roots. If you're new to the show, you may not know that when we started Sorta Awesome, the second segment of the show was solidly answers to questions that you, our listeners, had asked. We've played around with the format a little and done some more themed shows lately, and that has been so much fun. But Laura and I decided to get back to the Q&A grab bag today. We are tackling questions on feeling like a grown-up, how to prioritize your life, and some surprising beauty experiments. All of that coming up on episode 34 of Sorta Awesome, but first we're going to start the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Lara, what do you have for us this week? My Awesome of the Week is actually an awesome for next week. Okay. (laughs) But I'm still bringing it up because it's almost the awesome of my year, so I really want to talk about it. Yeah. I started this thing on Instagram four years ago called One Day. And it's taking place next week on Tuesday, November 10th. So this is what it is. It's just one day of the whole year. You get up in the morning and all day long, you snap little photographs of your life and you post them to Instagram and you use the hashtag one day HH. The HH is for my blog, Hollywood Housewife. And it's so fun to document your day. And not in like the typical social media way of documenting it where everything looks bright and pretty and clean. You know, instead, we're really showing what our actual day looks like on a random Tuesday in the middle of the month. And it's really, really fun. Last year, um, there were 9,000 photos in the stream. A lot yes. of people did it. It's grown every year. The first, like two years ago, I think there was 5,000 or something. I can't remember. Each year it's grown and a lot of people do it. I'll give a lot of warnings on my own Instagram account and Facebook and everything, but the word kind of starts to spread. And some people even jump in the yes. day of and just document their day. And you, I really encourage people to take pictures of things that they don't normally take a picture of, like the contents of their fridge or kind of what's in their car. Last year, I took a picture of my what was in my grocery cart. I went to the grocery store. And when I look back, even a year later, it makes me smile because I had diapers, mm-hmm. I had pull-ups in my cart, and we don't have that anymore. My son is potty trained. And we had like I don't remember, you know, sort of like baby type items. And he's really grown out of that. So even just with one year difference, you can see the kind of things that you wouldn't normally snap a picture of. Right. But they're actually interesting to look at. 
in terms of documenting your life. It's one of my favorite, favorite social media sort of collective participation things that I have ever done. And you do, you end up with true snapshots of where you are in life. One of my very favorite, just completely candid pictures that I have from any of my years of parenting is, it was it must have been two years ago this fall, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Daisy, was home homesick from school, actually, on one day. And I had given her my phone and asked her to snap a picture of me feeding the twins. And it was when they were still infants. And so I have this fantastic picture of me. I mean, I like, I have my hair up in a bun. I have on a sweatshirt and yoga pants. I am not like... Instagram ready by any means, but she grabbed this perfect capture of me with the twins or they're facing me and they're both in their little high chairs and I'm feeding them from a spoon, which that seems like a million years ago now, but Mm -hmm. it was such a great grab. And I would never have thought to have gotten something like that if I wasn't doing one day. So I am such a huge fan of one day and I'm so glad you're doing it again. I know some people had um, had questions if it was going to happen again since you recently closed Hollywood Housewives. So, so glad you're still doing it. I'm definitely still doing it. It's one of the things, I kept a few things um, about my online life that I really wanted to continue doing it. And that was the first thing that I wanted to keep because it's not, it lives on Instagram. People love it. And also like I've made little books out of all of my one days. You know, it's just a day in the life type of thing. And I've made little photo books and I love looking at them because I don't want people to, I mean, look, people can do it however they want, but how I do it is I care a lot about my Instagram feed in general. I want it to look pretty, not because my life always looks pretty, but just because I like taking beautiful pictures. But on one day, I care less about how beautiful the picture is and more about that it's actually capturing exactly what our life looks like. Yes. And sometimes that means taking a selfie for people who are painfully shy and would never take a selfie, but then they do it and they post it to one day and people kind of cheer them on. I really like how actually the most special thing about one day, even more so than documenting your own, you know, snapshot is that we follow one another throughout the day. There's something strangely comforting in like seeing, Oh, everybody is, um, you know, having breakfast, commuting to work, doing kid drop off, going to the store. Now we're all doing bath and bedtime and like to follow that along with people and in different time zones. It's just like, it feels universally human. Yes. It is. That's a great way to describe it. It is so human to have a peek into everybody's day as it unfolds around the world. Literally. I know you have more than a few people who have done this from Australia and New Zealand and various parts of Europe. I mean, it's been so exciting to see that. That part makes me actually the most excited because I do document a lot of my life and I share a lot of that online. So for me, a lot of it is just like extra sharing. (laughs) But for a a lot of people, they don't do anything like this and they never document and let alone share it. So people kind of are shy maybe in the morning, but then as the day goes on, like the ball gets rolling, you really feel like the energy of everybody doing it. I, I have a lot of people in my feed who participate. And so I'm like scrolling and I'm scrolling the hashtag and finding new people and everyone, um, it's really encouraging to one another. Like somebody, I remember last year, I don't remember the circumstances, but somebody was like having a really bad day. And I don't remember, I don't remember what her story was, but, and she sort of posted it and put it in the feed. I think maybe she was at a doctor's office or something. And people, total strangers were all encouraging of her and like cheering for her. And I thought, I'm so glad that this 
happened on one day for her, just that we can all experience this together. That's always a byproduct that I, um, that I tell people is really fun that they don't, ex- they don't expect, like you expect to document your day for your own kind of selfish purposes. But then what ends up happening is it becomes this really like sharing, cheering, wow, we're all like doing life, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> we're just doing it. We are just in the <laughs> trenches and we are doing it. I love it. I love it. It's one of the happiest, most fulfilling and rewarding ways to use social media, I think. So, okay, tell us the date again so that we do not miss it. So it's next Tuesday, November 10th. Everybody mark their calendars. I'll also be reminding people in our Sort of Awesome Hangout group. I'll put it on my own social media so that people are reminded. And it's just as easy as when you wake up. And I mean, I literally take a photo from my bed with my head on the pillow. Like, I really get into it. So... When you wake up, you just start documenting and posting and using the hashtag. It's very simple. Some people will post once an hour. Some people will post two times in the whole day. You know, it's up to you how you choose to do it. Everyone does it a little bit differently. But I will be doing it all day and I'll be commenting and watching everyone else do it. And so it's really, really fun. I hope I hope a lot of sort of awesome listeners get into it. I hope so too. It really is. It's so it's so worth the time and effort to do it. In fact, um, now that I have the Time Hop app on my phone, you've done it on different dates through the years since you started right. it. And so when, you know, since we're in the fall, it's always been in the fall. I've, you know, as it's come up, I've been like, oh my gosh, one day. And it's gotten me excited for this year's one day. So yes, if you are on Instagram, take the time to do it. And again, the hashtag is one day HH. And that's how you can find all of this. Okay, speaking of apps, since I was talking about the Time Hop app, which is one of my favorites always, my Awesome of the Week is a new app that was just released this, or I guess it was released in October. It's called the List app. Have you heard about this at all? There's been a little bit of buzz about it online. Okay, so the List app was created by BJ Novak um, and his friend Dev Flaherty. Now, most people know B.J. Novak because he played the role of Ryan on The Office. He also wrote some episodes um, and was involved with some of the behind-the-scenes stuff on The Office. But that's how most people know him. He is a very funny comedy writer um, and just a generally funny person. So he and his friend Dev created this app that is all about lists. So I have to read to you from their FAQ why they would create an app for lists. This is not just like your grocery list. I'm going to unfold for you why this has been so awesome for me. But in their words, this is why they created it. They wrote, first and foremost, we just love lists. They're the best. We saw a unique (laughs) opportunity to create a social network built around the simplicity and power of lists. Human beings are innately inclined towards structuring information. It's one of our primary means of understanding. Lists are simple and powerful. The gold standard of sorting and sharing information for thousands of years. So I was thinking about their words about this. And Laura, I know you and I have experienced this so much in blogging and really even in producing this podcast, how true that is. People really do love lists. I love a list. Oh, I love a list. (laughs) 
some of my favorite, most fun posts to create through the years when I was blogging were list posts. You all have loved the podcast episodes that we've produced that have been more in list format, like last week's show with the 10 ways to have an awesome autumn was basically just a list of top our top 10 things about autumn. So I think that even if you're a little skeptical about why would I want this in an app, I think you can understand what the appeal is for most people as we love to read lists. So what you have when you open the list app is, uh, first of all, there's a lot of celebrities. I'm sure the fact that BJ Novak is one of the creators, I'm think he kind of talked it up to friends because there's a lot of celebrities on there. Uh, Lena Dunham, Mindy Kaling, all kinds of people um, that you would recognize their names are on there. CNN's on there. When you open it up, people have posted these lists and they, they range in variety from really funny, really silly comedy style lists to actual legitimate things that you might need to know. I think CNN has been posting lists every morning with basically just like the headlines of the day that you need to know before you start your day. Just for like short and sweet. Here's what's going on. Um, Some of my favorite lists so far, just to give you an idea of what is out there in the list app. Okay, so a user named Sarah Gorman created a list that's Jenna Maroney's IMDb page. Um, So Jenna Maroney is Jane Krakowski's character on 30 Rock. And so this person took the time to go through the entire history of 30 Rock and listed in one list every single time this fictional character, Jenna Maroney, had made an appearance on TV or film, which is so amazing to me. That's funny. I love people. Okay, there is a user named Sally. I've kind of sussed out from her information that she's a doctor of some kind. Um, And so she has like some really fascinating lists that she's created. But one of the ones that I love the most that she created is called, the name of her list is Times When I Have to Close My Eyes and Count to 10 and Actively Not Think About It. That's the name of her list. (laughs) And the first one, okay, just to give you an example of how people set up their list, the first one, number one, traveling through an underwater tunnel. She said, no, I do not close my eyes if driving, but rely instead on forceful exhalation through my teeth. And then uh, she talks about, it suddenly occurs to me that before I left my house, maybe I neglected to turn off the stove. Then for her third item, she has porta potty use. Her note on that is utilize the through teeth breathing eyes open tunnel method here too. <laughs> so that's a really good one. She's so funny. I don't even know who she is, but she has some really funny lists going. Um, a user named Carrie Powell created um, one called Reasons Why I Hate Leftovers, which really made me laugh. I love that she wrote on her list one of her reasons why she hates leftovers is I have more important things to worry about than how long that container of lasagna has been sitting in the fridge. Opening a fridge of leftovers is the game show where the loser gets botulism. (laughs) Um, So also like Ted talks is on there. They have a list called great teen advocates. Um, The onion is on there. All kinds of well-known people are on there, but then just random people that you maybe have never heard of are on there creating really great things as well. Uh, Lev Novak, who is BJ Novak's younger brother, created a list. If you open up the list app, this is one of the ones I think you should find first is um, why I think you're going to like the List app. And he talks about how it's different from Twitter, it's different from Facebook, it's different from different kinds of social media, and he kind of takes you through step-by-step why it's such a great app. So when you create a list, you have so much more room than like Twitter, and it's actually... I think it's so much easier to organize what you're trying to say than say if you're typing up a super long Facebook post. 
Each list can contain up to 99 items, okay? Each item can have a 350 character header. So you have lots of space for really creating And Honestly, Laura, you know I'm so terrible at Twitter. I'm so bad at it. The number one thing I hate about Twitter is the 140 character limit. I cannot condense my thoughts and it totally stresses me out. Okay, that's the best thing about Twitter. No, no, no. It is the most stressful thing about it. The reason I cannot use it. <laughs> no, that's not right. Um, okay, so then each each item on your list can have below it. You can So you can just enter the item on the list. But then if you want to, to further expand on your thoughts, you have 500 words for that one item on your list that you can add. So you can imagine that you can get pretty lengthy in here. Uh, you can create numbered or bulleted lists either way. You can also add photos to give a visual or even like tag a location. Can you hyperlink list. them? Can you link out to the mm. thing in case people are curious? I'm, I think you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive you can because on that uh, TED Talks one with the great teen advocates, I clicked on some links out of there where they had linked to what these um, teenagers are doing. So Yes, you can include links as well. So I have to say that I have not actually published a list yet. I'm a little intimidated because there's some really great quality stuff being written on there. So I haven't actually published one, but you can keep drafts going in there. So I do have a few drafts of lists that I'm working on. One is my day with toddler twins as told in a series of haikus. <laughs> that I'm working on. This is the absolute honest truth, Laura. Last night, I woke up out of my sleep in the middle of the night. I grabbed my phone, which charges next to me on my bedstand, and I started a new draft called All the Reasons I Really Hate Being Called Sweet. <laughs> Have you often been called sweet? I've often been called sweet. It is not my favorite adjective for myself. I so, would never call you sweet. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, but apparently it was bothering me in my subconscious because I woke up in the middle of the night and started this draft and actually wrote a few things in there. Thankfully, I saved it as a draft and didn't publish it in the middle of the night. You were like, I have got to get this out. <laughs> I've got to. Thank goodness for the list app. So that is my awesome of the week. It has been so much fun. There is just so much stuff, funny stuff, serious stuff, informational stuff, entertaining stuff being created on the list app. Now, I will say, I do not think it is available for Android devices yet. I think it is only in iOS, but I heard or read that they are working on developing the app for uh, Android users. So if you're on iOS, check it out. The List app is totally free. So fun. Okay, so that is Awesome of the Week for both of us this week. Now, I do have to tell you before we get into the question and answer segment, I hope that neither Laura and I are um, too spaced out today because we are both smack dab in the middle of a month-long fast from two of our very favorite things. Laura is taking a break from her beloved, trusty sidekick, Dr. Pepper, and I am taking a break from Diet Coke. These are things that a month ago, I think if you would have asked us if we were ever going to give up these habits, we would have passionately said no. But here no. we are. We are taking a break. We're on day 14. Laura, I'm just going to be 100% honest and say that only thing that has kept me on the wagon this long is just imagining in my mind the look of stark disapproval that would be on your face if you knew I had cheated on our on our fast from these things. So I'm doing it 14 days in. I am both elated that I've made it this far, but also um, my soul is maybe dying a little every day <laughs> without dying. It's care. basically been terrible. It's been murderous. I've been murderous. <laughs> 
Yes. I had a headache for like a week from withdrawal from these chemicals. So, um, so you, you know, I did not have a headache and that surprised me, but I think it's because I, um, cheated in that I started this on a day that I had a bunch of dental work done. So then I had to take Advil every three hours for the few days afterwards. And so I don't know if I, I just skipped the headache phase. Totally cheated the system on that. I, meanwhile, had a nonstop headache for like a week, which was awful, even though I was drinking coffee the whole time. It just, it's not been fun, but this was your idea. So where, tell us where this spark of inspiration slash torture (laughs) came from. Uh, It came from a few things, actually, that sort of added up. I have been drinking too much Dr. Pepper in the last, I don't know, maybe two years Um, I've been having way too much and I knew it, but it was sort of a coping mechanism for my anxiety. But then the flip side of that is that I read and hear that too much caffeine and sugar makes your anxiety worse. So it was like such a catch 22 because it's a soothing thing for me to have a Dr. Pepper. And I always justified it because I don't have, you know, many vices like that. I don't drink very much alcohol. I don't smoke. I don't veg out to TV very much. Like I just, I don't have a lot of soothing things. And so my soothing thing was Dr. Pepper. And I just felt like that was just fine. If that's all you had in your life, like you're doing fine. I mean, right? Yes. Right. But then like a couple of different things happened, including I have had a bunch of dental problems, which is partially genetic, but also partially has to be to this terrible habit. And Um, I'm trying to take control of some other healthy things in my life. Like I'm trying to live a little more wholehearted in general. And I just felt like these different signs kept coming up that was like, this is your thing that you need to release. And like, like literally two or three things happened. And then the thing that sort of pushed me over the edge was I listened to Rob Bell's podcast. Um, he's a podcast called the Rob cast that I don't listen to. Um, super regularly, but I do listen to occasionally. And someone recommended an episode called This Episode is Sugar-Free. And it's basically about addiction in general. And he speaks to a lot of sugar, which a lot of my Dr. Pepper habit is sugar-based as well. So just the way he spoke about giving up something that maybe has a grip on you or maybe something that if you think in your life, oh, I couldn't go a day without fill in the blank, let alone a week, let alone a month. If you have something in your life that you kind of feel that desperate about that maybe you need to Mm. examine. (laughs) Mm, I know. And I just was uh, immediately knew that that was something that I had to sort of figure out. I needed to sort of break this habit that I felt like I had to have to get through my day, that I had to have to get through my life. Anyway, so I listened to the episode and the way that he spoke about giving up those things, like where your brain goes and where your heart goes, just totally resonated with me. It was just, it's just exactly how I think of these things. And that you feel like part of your identity is tied to being a person who does this, does this, whatever your vice is. Or how to think about like when you're giving it up and when you're really craving something, like how to sort of, I'm not going to do justice to it. So you really need to listen to the episode, but kind of how to like open your heart and be like, okay, there are other things right now that will bring me joy. Mm. There are other things right now that will soothe for me, that will soothe me or calm me down. I do not have to reach for this thing every time. 
And it sort of forces you to pause and reroute. Yeah. And just the just the way that he talked about it, just every part of it resonated. And I was like, I I have to, I just have to do this. I'm doing it too much. It's bad, super bad for long-term health. It's even in the short term, I think it wasn't doing me any favors. I, I had to break it. So I did what I always do is I enlisted my friends. Yes. <laughs> To do it with me because I knew actually that's true though because if you have accountability you're oh way gosh. more likely to stick to it. I am telling you this is the longest that I can remember in recent years where I have had zero diet coke. This is the longest stretch I've gone, and I do think it's the accountability. I mean, I was teasing, and I definitely, I mean, not wanting to let you down or, or letting this group of friends down that is working on the challenge. That's a huge part of it, and I think that if I didn't have somebody checking in, I think it would just be immensely harder. Um, So much of what you were saying just now so resonated with me, just that thing of being desperate for it. And it seems so stupid. You're like, it's just a drink. It's just a can of chemicals, literally. But it really had, Diet Coke really had become so much more. I've been working on like tapering off of it, but I would still have one about one o'clock every afternoon. It was like my thing to get me through the rest of the day. So I have started drinking, I'm like you, in that I know Diet Coke is really super bad for my anxiety, but just like you, I it would feel like that moment that I would crack one open in that first sip was so soothing to me that even though in my mind, logically, I was like, this is terrible for me and terrible for my anxiety, it was just so comforting right in that moment. So I've been drinking like chamomile lavender tea. And I picked up another one. I can't even remember the name of it. Some other kind of like calming, soothing tea that actually legit has been helping me with my anxiety. It's not as rewarding. I'm not going to lie. It's not as rewarding as when you grab a cold diet Coke out of the fridge. But long term, it has really been, it's been profoundly so much better for my anxiety specifically. The weird thing for me was I started feeling like, I feel like sometimes the universe does this to you where it just kind of like drops little pebbles on you of like, this is a thing you need to pay attention to. A couple of things had happened like that with the Diet Coke. And then out of the blue, one night, the girls and I had gone across the street to a neighbor's house. We were roasting marshmallows and making s'mores. And Eliza Joy, our eight-year-old, had brought up something about teasing me about how much Diet Coke I drink. Well, this neighbor of mine, who I don't think he's ever lectured anybody in his whole life. He's like the nicest, most laid back, easygoing guy. He starts completely going off on me about how terrible Diet Coke is. I was like, this is this is odd. I mean, I felt like there was already a couple of signposts along the way. And all of a sudden he launched into this tirade about Diet Coke. And I was like, I really need to pay attention to this. And then I think it was pretty much the next day you were like, does anybody feel like they have a habit they need to break? And I just knew in that moment, I was like, I don't want to like drag me kicking and screaming into this. Yes. But I don't, I I don't want to, but I know I need to. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing it. We're doing it. We're trying to do 28 days, four weeks exactly. We're on day 14 as we're recording this. So we're two weeks in. And do you think you'll give it up forever? I don't think I will. I don't. I don't know. I I think I will give up the daily habit of it. I think that feels more reasonable to me now than before we started. But, and you and I have talked about this a little bit. I cannot imagine going the rest of my life and like having a Sonic cheeseburger with 
without having a Diet Coke. There's just certain things where I feel like I need the Diet Coke to complete the experience of it, but that could be more of like an every once in a while thing instead of every single day. Right. That's a, that's where I am too. I mean, I just can't. I really love it. <laughs> I really love Diet Coke too. I really but I am. Do. I'm noticing that um, it's not doing it, and I've been drinking a lot of water and a lot of, Lord help us, Crystal Light. <laughs> I'm like so embarrassed to even purchase Crystal Light, but I have been. Anyway, I've been drinking a lot of that. And I'm like, food is so boring. Yeah. Like to me, food, certain foods in particular, but all food in general, tasted better with Dr. Pepper. So I, the biggest thing I've noticed for me, um, even outside of using it as a crutch for when I need to calm down or something, is that it's going to, it has already changed my eating habits. Right. Like I eat less or I eat differently when I'm going to have to have water. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. That is so true. So true. Okay, well, we'll keep you guys updated on if we make it through the whole month and what we have maybe learned at the end of our 28-day uh, fast from our favorite habits. So anyway, all of that was a preface to say, here we are. We are going to dig into these listener questions that you all have sent to us. We've got some really good ones to tackle today. The first one comes from a listener who wrote in that she is in her mid-20s, and she wrote, I'm not religious, I don't have kids, and I'm not married. I haven't reached those, you are really an adult milestones, and maybe I never will. I do have a job I love, great friends, and I pay my own bills. However, I can't help but to feel just a little behind as I watch my friends get married and soon have babies. What advice do you have for comparing myself less to others and finding enjoyment on my own path? How can I feel like an adult despite social standards. Laura, I thought you would be perfect for answering this question because I know that you were uh, later in your 20s, in your late 20s, when you got married and you all started your family. And you and I both come from a culture where people tend to marry a lot earlier than that. I mean, I got married, I've said before, three days before my 21st birthday. So in a lot of ways, I think that uh, you and your life experience would be uh, really much better than mine in speaking to this listener question. Well, first of all, you will get to the adult milestones. She says she's not sure if she ever will. They they happen to come no matter what. Certain adult <laughs> milestones will come no matter what. I think that having a job and paying your own bills is a huge, huge adult milestone. Huge. Huge. Yes. Um, and second of all, you know, she's in her mid-20s. I definitely did not know what I wanted to do with my life or where my life was going in my mid-20s. I ended up getting married when I was 28 um, and having my daughter when I was 30. But when I was 25, we'll just say, very middle 20, I did. I was as clueless as I had been when I was 18, maybe even more so. So I guess my first thought is you have tons of time. My second thought is it sounds like you're doing great. Yes, I know. <laughs> you have friends you love and a, a job that pays your bills that you seem to be okay with at least. So... I mean, I, I don't even know what to say, only it sounds like you're doing wonderful, so embrace that. Like, think about, now, now possibly she lives in a culture, she doesn't give too many details, so possibly she lives in a culture where everyone is around her is married and having babies. So that would feel harder, I think. I was in Los Angeles in my mid-20s where I just didn't have that pressure at all. So if we just want to assume that maybe she is living in a place where she is 
possibly feeling the pressure. I guess I would tell anybody that I do this and will hopefully do this the rest of my life to just kind of sit with it and really think hard, like do some soul searching where you're very still and where you're just sitting in the quiet and really ask yourself if you really want these things like marriage and children, everything right now, or if you just think you want them because everyone else is doing them or you're having thoughts that society says that's what you should be doing right now. Because there is so much beauty and wonderfulness on your path, sounds like right now, but definitely for the future. And maybe you'll get married and have kids and maybe you won't. And that just does not even remotely mean that you will or will not have this joyous, wonderful life experience. And there's just so much out there. Hobbies and relationships and travel and education and everything that there is to offer is sort of at your feet and you have the freedom to pursue all of that. Yeah, that's such an amazing time. I mean, it's sort of become commonly referred to in our society as like the quarter life crisis that you have in your mid 20s of, you know, who am I? Where am I? What direction am I going in life? I'll tell you what, I went through that severely as a mid 20s person and I had already been married for a few years. Um, So I think it's very common in that time frame to kind of sit up and look around you and go, what maybe to kind of focus on what is missing in life. But I think Laura is so right that taking some time to pause and just kind of gather up in your thoughts, all of the things that you have that you are enjoying that are bringing joy. She talked about in the question, what advice do you have for comparing myself less to others and enjoying my own path? I know that for me, even in this stage of life, and I'm approaching 40, and I keep thinking this is maybe going to go away, but so far it hasn't. But sometimes like social media or just having a lot of that noise in my ears all the time, it makes it so much harder to ignore that voice that is constantly reminding you of what you don't have. So sometimes taking a good solid break from the noise, whatever it is, for some people it's social media, but who knows what it might be in your life, but taking a break from that and just letting your ears and your heart be filled up with things that are so affirming to you of what you do have and what you do have to celebrate. I think that can be a really practical step sometimes too. Right, and I think there's healthy comparison and there's unhealthy comparison. And you sort of know in your gut what that is. So if you are just feeling, if, if it's hard to compare yourself to someone who is doing something wildly different from you that you couldn't even necessarily imagine yourself doing, and you're feeling all sorts of envy towards that, then maybe ask yourself, well, what is it about, why am I feeling this way? Is it just because she has an awesome life? Well, I have an awesome life. Right. Or is there something in that that maybe I do want to pursue? Because, you know, just exactly what you said, if it's unhealthy comparison, and I think people do tend to know the difference when they sit with it for a minute, then you you need to close down the noise. You need to, you know, journal out some gratitude or spend time with friends or, or whatever kind of brings you back to center. But I do think that there's a certain thing of healthy comparison, which is I see this person who is in a lot of ways similar to me, and she has something that I would really like for my life someday. Maybe it's a family, maybe it's a business, maybe it's whatever. And then think, okay, if that's truly something in my heart I do think I want someday, what am I doing to get there? Because I think that's a really important element. A lot of times I think people think that 
good things just come to others. But a lot of times people have really worked for that. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it's super easy to look at what other people have. And, you know, again, it just depends on what milestone you're looking at. But I think it's super easy to think that good things just happen for other people. But really, if you dig in and hear their story, there's so much more to it than a good thing just happening. Like Laura said, that some kind of motivating thing came along that inspired that person to work towards a certain thing happening. Some things are out of our control. Getting married, having children, those those are definitely some societal milestones, but at the same time, there are so many other things that um, that for, for each individual can be huge milestones that are really completely unrelated to those things. And two, I have to say, sometimes I still cannot believe I am an adult. <laughs> like every time I'm filling out health, oh, yeah. insur- health insurance forms, I'm like, I'm not old enough to do this. I Where are my parents? I know I'm going to make the wrong decision. <laughs> I do. I don't want to, I don't want to ignore, um, I'm not even sure if I've been fully clear because my answer to this listener in her mid twenties, which, what seems like are some good things going. I just want to say, keep on keeping on girl because you're rocking out with life. So keep going, yeah. embrace it all. Um, but I don't want to sort of ignore anyone listening because I have several good friends who are, are farther along than their mid twenties. And it hasn't come to them what they always assumed would, um, even at ha- having nothing to do with themselves. Their their life just hasn't walked the path that they thought it would in terms of having a family or a partner. And being their dear friend, I have seen that there's a lot of heartbreak in that. So I don't want to sort of like either imply A, that it's of one's un- own doing, or B, that it can be swept under the rug or you could pick up a hobby and... <laughs> that void because I don't think, I don't think that I do think that there are people who are having looking and comparing just like our listeners question and, and are having some deep sadness. So I don't want to like, I know that that's there. So. Yeah, that's Yeah. Thank you for, for bringing that point into the conversation. Um, you know, I think that the problem with societal standards is they are just so generic and so cookie cutter and so one size fits all that it's so easy to try to measure yourself up to that and find that you think that you're not meeting those standards. But I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just my personality, maybe it's my temperament, but I am all about just saying, who cares what the standards are? Make your own standards and set your own aspirations for what you want the rest, you know, the coming decade that's ahead of you to look like. And as much as you can control the things that are happening along that path, that's what you can focus on. And um, really just going after those things that you have control over, I think. Yeah. So I hope that that is helpful in some way. And in the Hangout group, we will for sure kind of be dissecting this a little bit more because I'm confident that our listener who wrote in with this is not the only one in that situation of feeling like, what can I do to measure out these milestones and mark them for myself and find enjoyment in them for myself? So uh, the next one is kind of related to this. It's going to bring up some of the the same themes, I think. This one, this listener question says, I've heard you talk about the seasons of life, often to highlight the things that you're prioritizing in the season you are in. But can we talk about the things you're not prioritizing? The things you'd really like to make time for, but can't? Or the things that you're consciously deciding that you are not going to prioritize for now? 
I thought this was such a great question because, you know, when you talk about making room and space in your life, we often talk about, you know, just like prioritizing things, but the inevitable end game of that is that you have to take some things off of the list. We all only have 24 hours a day to work with. So that is something I feel like we do not talk about very much. Laura, do you have things that come to mind for you that you've had to say, I'm sorry, this can't even, not only is this not a priority anymore, I just have to like take it off of the priority list altogether. Oh yeah. In all different, I have lots of examples of where I've had to do that. I mean, the most recent one is I closed my blog. Yeah, it's huge. Um, that was a huge decision for me and because it had been a priority, it had been like my number three priority. I had been a very top priority for me for years and years and years. And I had to realize like of all the things that I want to do, and there's a plethora of them, something has to go. And I've done this one thing and it's it's gone great, but I felt like it wasn't going to anything else. It wasn't leading beyond itself. Um, and so in an effort to make space to try new things, I had to shelve this really important thing. And that was a big decision. I mean, I, that was a decision I sat on for like a year. I mean, some decisions are big and some decisions are little. I one time told my blog readers, I totally said this. I totally meant this, by the way. But I was like, you know what I'm not prioritizing right now? Sleepwear. <laughs> Yeah. Like I went through this whole search of like cute pajamas. I think this was, I was post my first baby and I was just feeling like frumpy and gross and like I was in sweats and t-shirts all the time. And so I did this search and I was online. I was like trying to find cute right, PJs. Right, yes. And then I was like, you know what I'm not going to do? Care about this anymore. <laughs> I love it. You know what? This is like a bigger thing that I have done the same thing with. And I know you're maybe not going to be a huge fan of this answer, but I have done that with politics, really. I used to be very, I used to have some pretty big opinions um, on, on both ends of the political spectrum. And I think after the last presidential election in the US, I was just like, I'm out. <laughs> The things that are going to happen are going to happen. I know it's a little bit of a nihilistic approach, but I just cannot invest any more time and energy and mental real estate into caring about these things that, to me, I ultimately felt like I did not have. I mean, what what reward was it bringing into my life? Absolutely nothing. It was bringing stress and angst, and it was causing rifts in relationships. I feel like a terrible citizen, and I realize, even as I'm saying it, that people are completely giving me the side eye over this. But truly, I just, like you said, I had to put it on the shelf for now. Maybe another time in my life when I don't have all of these plates spinning with relationships that need a lot of care and tending to right now, maybe I'll go back to it. But for now, it is not on my priority list at all. Oh, yeah. I gave up college football in the same vein. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I am likening American politics to college football. <laughs> there is a lot of similarities there, especially in terms of heated discussions and rifts I just and friendships. Was like, <laughs> this is bringing stress into my life that I do not need. I do not like scheduling around it anymore. I don't. I just got real adamant and I was like, you know what? I'm dropping college football. And people in my life still were like, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Further proof that you are in fact from Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, they don't understand it. They really, yeah. they really want to take me to task about it. I know. That is interesting. That's a great point, actually, Laura, is that when you do start to sit down and look at your list and you start to get like really serious 
really cutthroat about cutting those things off the list that you just cannot make space for anymore, there's going to be pushback for sure. I mean, we're laughing about the football thing, but legitimately, especially if what you have to take off of your list directly impacts somebody else. Like, you know, when Sarah Bessie came on the show, she talked about the fact that she knows she can only do two things at a time really well. There's That's it. Two things at a time do them well. So that means for her, and she talked about if she's in the midst of writing a book or if she's in edits on a book or if she's traveling a lot and speaking and preaching, that's the time she has to kind of step back and sit out of her real life community for a little bit. Not that she is leaving them forever or, you know, is completely disconnecting, but that's, it just cannot be up there in the top priority anymore. And then when she's not in the midst of book writing or traveling or whatever, then she can plug back into community around her. So I think though that when you are saying, I'm sorry, I just do not have the margin for this anymore, to expect a little bit of pushback, some friendly and some joking, but some actually really serious. And if you're trying to decide what needs to go, there's too much on my plate, or, and I'm not sure if our listener was was asking that, but it seems like maybe she was. What are the things that really made me make the final decision to close my blog, a big part of my life, was... So I've been wanting, I've been thinking about it for a year. I knew it took up a, a lot of time. I spent a lot of time, as much as a part-time job or more, on my blog each week. And it had given me a lot of joy for a long time. And I felt a lot of obligation to it by, you know, five, six years in. But when we started this podcast, which I'm just, you know, one of many, you know, it was a collaborative thing. And it started to go really well and feel really good and resonate with people and all of that, I was like, oh, okay. It really highlighted for me that the blog wasn't working. When something else is working really well and then the other thing you feel like you've been swimming upstream for a while now, I think you have to listen to that. Definitely. That is a great point. Yeah. So I I had a lot of attachment to the blog. I still have attachment to the blog. Um, but it was definitely a thing to be like, okay, Laura, this is an, this is what it feels like to have a creative thing be going well <laughs> yeah. versus how I felt about my blog every day, which was like, this is not going well. <laughs> <laughs> and by not going well is relative. I mean, I, you know, but it felt, I felt like it wasn't growing. I felt like I wasn't growing with, with it. Like I, it, it, I had felt like I'd been beating my head against the wall. So there's, and that's a whole different subject of like the hundred reasons why I ceased blogging. But, but the main thing here is what I'm saying is if you're trying to figure out what has to go is to really like think of like what's working. Yes. Yes. And what isn't. And if the thing that isn't working isn't something that can be fixed, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's some things if you're like, this isn't working, how can we make it work? Versus there's also like, this isn't working. I think this is over. Right. Yeah. And that can be really scary. I told Laura this as she was closing her blog that after I closed Sort of Crunchy last year, those first few months, like I did not dive in and start working on the podcast right away. I just was kind of like floating. And it was a very scary feeling to have taken something that, like Laura, for me was a huge priority and a huge work of time and effort to take that out of my life. It was scary to have that removed. But the more I walked through that scary feeling, the more that scary feeling started to feel like freedom. And that's when I knew I totally made the right decision in 
saying, I'm sorry, but you're not a priority to me anymore, dear blog. You've been a faithful friend, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time to go. It's over, like you said. So, and then too, you know what? Sometimes there are just little tweaks that you can make. I was thinking about how I grew up being a voracious reader. I've read and read and read my whole life. I was an English major. I taught English. I've always been a reader. In this season of life with uh, four kids and, and two toddlers included in that bunch, I cannot read the way I would like to. And I stopped reading for a while because I couldn't do it the way I thought I had to do it. But sometimes you just need a little tweak. So like, so for me, I made a sort of promise with myself that I would just read a few pages before I went to sleep each night. It's not as much as I would like to read. I'd love to have afternoons spent, you know, sprawled out and luxuriously reading. That's not going to happen right now, but I can still make time for a chapter before bed. So as you're looking at your priority list, I think Laura's so right. Sometimes things need a tweak and an adjustment, and then you can make it work. And sometimes there are other things that it's just okay to let it go for a while. Maybe you'll pick it back up again, and maybe you won't. So, all right. Now, interestingly, speaking of your blog, our last listener question has to do specifically with one of your most... most entertaining posts at Hollywood Housewife. It's from a couple of years ago, like maybe five years ago, I think. Oh my gosh, it was in the first year because we lived in a different house. Okay. Well, this listener wrote in and said, I loved the beauty show. Laura and I did a show all about beauty a few episodes ago. And she says, uh, I was surprised Laura didn't mention Biore strips. Her blog post of her husband trying those was one of the funniest things she ever posted on Hollywood Housewife. So she wondered, have you ever tried any other beauty treatments or products that you were surprised to see it worked? I will 100% put a link in the show notes to (laughs) that post. It is a very short one, but the pictures are worth going over and checking out at Hollywood Housewife when Laura made her husband, Jeff, give these uh, Biore strips a try. Actually, it might have even been his idea. (laughs) to try them. I I don't know, but it was so gross. It's so gross. (laughs) My, my sweet dad even asked me, like I put a link to that with a little picture to that post in my sidebar for a long time because it's one of the most popular posts that I ever wrote. And my sweet dad was like, asked me when I was going to take that down. (laughs) Because he just couldn't stand it. It is so gross, that post. It's almost disturbing. You have to see it for yourself. To, I to get the full experience. I have not, nor has Jeff, as far as I know, we have not used Biore pore strips since. <laughs> so the listener's question is like, I'm surprised she didn't mention the Biore pore strips. And I'm like, they have not entered into my radar <laughs> since that, that fateful day. Just that once. Okay. Did you have any that came to mind that you were, that you've given a try through the years and you were like, huh, this actually did work? Yeah. I was surprised a few years ago to discover how advanced the self-tanning industry has become. <laughs> <laughs> like the spray-on tan? Is that what you're talking about? Spray-on or even like um, gels or lotions. Or I've tried oh, all right. different okay. kinds. I, my favorite is the Kate Somerville. Um, it's a tan towel. I can't remember what she calls it now, but it's like a, it looks like a baby wipe. Oh. It tans you all over. Wow. Um, that's my favorite. There's a kind of knockoff, or I don't know if it's a knockoff of the Kate Somerville, but there's a an equal product called the Tan Towel that you can get at Ulta or Amazon, and it works pretty well as well. Um, and then I did spray tans. I've done all of that, and I'm always like, wow, I can't believe 
this actually works. Like people aren't orange anymore. We don't all mm. smell bad or right. whatever. Oh my gosh. The smell was the worst. I haven't done the, it in the years. The smell is the worst. Yeah. It doesn't do that anymore. Okay. Um, and the other thing, well, this is the opposite of what she asked, but I will say I've tried something that didn't work for me and I'm almost hesitant. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I'm almost hesitant to bring it up because we have yet to go an episode where I don't mention <laughs> hair removal. <laughs> it's a trend. We're working it's, with it. Okay. I swear. I, I Yeah. Hair removal is a priority in my life. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. So I did try laser hair removal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it did not work. So a couple of things about laser hair removal, and I did the whole thing. You have to go like six or eight times or whatever and zap, zap you. And my hair is not naturally dark enough or coarse enough. Ah, so it interesting. works better on mm-hmm. naturally dark haired people. Um, it did, it did. So I did my underarms and my bikini line mm-hmm. and it did probably reduce hair growth by, I don't know, may, maybe as much as 50% or something. But it didn't. I still have to groom in other ways. Okay. Wow. This is a family-friendly show, folks. There we go. There we go. Super interesting. Super interesting. Okay. I had one quick one that I was a little skeptical about, um, and that is using coconut oil as an eye makeup remover. We always have coconut oil in hand. You all know that I pop my popcorn in it. We use it for tons of cooking things. I had read, I'd seen this in several places that you can use it. I just could not imagine. I just, you know, coconut oil is either solid, like if it's cool, then it's solid, but it melts really quickly. And I just could not imagine um, that it would actually be that effective at really getting makeup off, especially I'd heard it's really good for getting like waterproof or long wearing eye makeup off. And I don't know, I was skeptical. I thought it was mostly going to smear it around, but it is true. If you just get a little scoop of it and just rub it across whatever eye makeup you're taking off, I don't wear waterproof mascara that often because it is a huge, huge ordeal, I feel like, to remove it. Um, But you just smear a little on there and get like a washcloth or some kind of um, a cloth or whatever you have close by and wipe it off. And it is, it's a little bit amazing. It's kind of um, actually really, in a weird way, like really gratifying how easy it is to get to, to take that, especially the, the waterproof mascara off. It comes off so easily with that. So get another use for coconut oil, believe it or not. I got nothing about coconut oil. <laughs> You're still a skeptic. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up. This has been so much fun. I wanted to remind you all, if you have a question for us to tackle, that last question actually came to us uh, via email. You can email us anytime, sortaawesomemegan at gmail.com if you have something you'd like for us to take on on the show. We would love to hear from you. Or even if you just have feedback or want to say hi, we are here. And sortaawesomemegan at gmail.com is where you can find us for that. Laura, remind us where we can find you. I am still at hollywoodhousewife.com. It links to all my channels, but I'm mainly these days on Instagram 
and Twitter as Hollywood H Wife and on Facebook as The Hollywood Housewife. Okay. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. We, the show, are on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout or on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter, which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash sortaawesome. If you're enjoying this show, we would really love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to progermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.